0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with muck delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the first part of the final episode of our Stag Stories, the glory of the Amber Generation series. This is the one that you've all been waiting for. The one with Stuart Watkiss, Neil Richardson and Andy White, aka Stags Stories Live. Friday the 22nd of April, we all gathered at One Stadium in the Kevin Bird suite to hear these stories recalled in front of a live audience. And it's time now to bring you these episodes. Apologies that it's taken so long for them to be put out in the main domain. We always wanted to leave these two parts until the very, very end because that's how we wanted to wrap up the series. But the series itself was just pushed back and pushed back because of the Stag's excellent charge towards the the playoffs, which just meant it took a little bit more extra time. Yes, that means that this time next week, we'll be back with Series 6 of the Mansfield Matters podcast. For now, though... I'm going to shut up and stop rambling and play the intro, sit back and enjoy Stag Stories Live with Stuart Watkiss, Neil Richardson and Andy White presented live to an audience at the Kevin bird suite at One Stadium. It really was a phenomenal night. It's lived with me ever since the evening itself, and I know that you're going to enjoy it. Just before the intro plays, though, it's worth noting that this episode does contain some very strong language. Oh, and an idiot who booed me. Still no idea who it was. My money is still on Nathan. They say that success is built on strong foundations. So when 20 years ago, when Stuart Watkiss took the reins of Mansfield Town's first team, a side which was full of his youth team starlets, fans dared to dream of achieving promotion. There were twists and turns along the way and it went all the way to the wire, but in the end, Watkiss and his side made dreams come true ball into the area for Kelly keeps
2: possession, drives it across the edge of the six yard area, cleared as far as Hassel, back into the box it goes and we're in front, Mansfield have it and it's Andy White it's
3: absolutely nuts at Field Mill.
2: Corner man he's going to take this corner holds, both arms aloft the uh, referee waiting to give the signal, Williamson's on the goal line, Greenacre's near the near post, into the area it goes tanker, heads it goalwards, it's in it's Andy White, Andy White's made it 2-0 And now we have a little bit of a comfort zone. The referee looks again at his watch. It's just about over. Three seconds remaining. The referee's blown and Mansfield are promoted to
1: Division 2. Scenes of jubilation at Field Mill. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast and 20 years on we're recalling the stories from that historic campaign with those at the heart of it all. This is Stag Stories, the glory of the amber generation. so much for coming down to One tonight and joining us here in the Kevin Byrne suite. First and foremost, can I just have a massive round of applause and thank you to the State Supporters Association for helping to fund this night and put this night on for you guys. Twenty years ago, on the pitch behind you, there were scenes of celebration. Not that I can remember because I was only about about 11 years old, that showed me age. Uh, but uh, there were scenes of celebration. And it's a season that we all remember and hopefully this year, touch wood, fingers crossed, Nigel Clough and his players can go on and uh, do the same. It's not all over just yet. You know, there was a little clip at the end of that season which I'm sure We'll talk about later but in the end we've gone over the line and hopefully we can do that this year tonight though it's all about looking back from 20 years ago it's all part of a wider series here on mansfield matters as well we're doing slag stories the glory of the amber generation lots of great interviews for you coming up on our podcast feeds Uh, more about that later on including a nice little video message from a very special guest More on that a little bit later on. But the man who's pulled all of this together is not my brainchild. It's not any of the Mansfield Matters crew. It's all down to the man who you score. Saw that goal on the screen just moments ago. His name is Andy White. Please give him a warm welcome. Thank you very much ladies and gentlemen. Andy, good evening, good to see you again. Good to see you mate. Yeah, it is. It's good to see you actually. I know, yeah. <laughs> even though it's virtual,
0: I think it's actually the first time we've properly
1: met. It's each other quite a lot, which is quite fun. Tonight, um, you know, first and foremost, let's just tell the ladies and gentlemen that are here tonight all about what we've been doing um, with Forms Place. First and foremost, it started off as a bit of an idea for a game from you, didn't it? Just tell us a bit about that. Man. Yeah, I mean, 20 years. I mean, it's, it's nice to reflect. I think lockdown gave us a chance to
2: reflect on... Previous years, and obviously with it being 20 years, we wanted to try and get all the lads together, um, a challenge game on the pitch. But obviously with with the Stags doing so well this season, and the kind of question marks around playoffs, and you know all the planning that goes into it, it's a bit of a challenge in terms of you know fixing a day, getting a day on the pitch, and getting all the lads together. So there's a bit of a compromise before we'd. yeah, get a little black book out and get a few other lads um, over uh, Zoom or whatever software you use um, to, to rekindle and just reflect because 20 years, it's a long time, it's gone like that, but um, yeah, it's just nice to look back and remember and to be honest, it's probably only two goals of our school so we're going so I'm going to make you a most of it, just like getting every
1: glean of uh, um, yeah, applause that I can get to be honest, so yeah. Well it's fully deserved of course. of course, we've had lots of great names on, we're not going to say too much, one in particular which we interviewed in we're not going to say anything about that until uh, later on, but the others we can talk about a little bit, just tell me and tell the audience here who we've been talking to and sort of what conversations and memories that sparked in your head? Yes, yeah, so we've had uh, Bas Statham from a kind of physio
2: perspective and a bit of uh, insight into the management back then and some of the decision making, obviously we'll get a bit more of that tonight. Um, with that Les Robinson, obviously Stags legend, a you know a Mansfield lad and absolute soul giver type of bloke, Loves Mansfield, loves the area, and I think that really does come through in the um, in the podcast. Um, he was absolutely when, when I played with him, it was a laugh a minute, honestly. You, you could not rest. So some of the stories that come out of that, and obviously from the, from the one we did the other night, uh, something to behold. Um, what have we done? Oh, Pilk?s Yeah. Yes. Um, Kev Pilkington again. He's from my my village, so um, I kind of grew up idolising Kev, really, and just seeing that somebody from my village could go on and play for the biggest club in the world. And uh, he eventually came, and we played
1: together at Mansfield, and later at Notts County. So he did play for the biggest club in the world, then. He did play for the biggest <laughs> club in the world, then. Yeah. Obviously, Mansfield. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mansfield matters. go on, we Get on, brothers. <laughs>
2: But well, yeah, Casio um, Pilks, he's another top like, top professional as well. And I think from the conversation we've had, everybody ranks the time at Mansfield and the year we had get promoted as, like, as the top one or the top three, five, certainly. So it, it lasts a long time. And when you do get promoted, it, it doesn't happen that often. You know, in a, in a career, obviously, it was the highlight of my career and it came when I was 19, 20. So it, it, it's one of them where you need to savour it. And so any opportunity to reflect back and savour it
1: even further is uh,
2: a massive bonus.
1: And the two guests we've got tonight, just tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, I know you've uh, had a little conversation with them in the corridor and brought back some memories already, I know you've got lots of questions through down, just tell us a little bit about what we can expect from uh, our two headline guests tonight. So obviously, um, Skip, Stuart Watkins um,
2: was my youth team manager. He was who I see as the one who actually gave me my dream to become a professional footballer. He gave me my chance. He obviously spotted me playing for Up Town, uh, bought me into the club. Um, he gave me that coaching element and the kind of experience within the youth team, and eventually, you know, becoming pro. So it was he. He supported my development as a as a young pro, and it was never my ambition to become a professional footballer. But seeing the enthusiasm from Skip really did kind of come through to me, and it was it, it was just one of those times in my life where it was yeah you get, you go one down one path or another when you when, when you're a 17 18 year old, uh, and luckily uh, Skip me, uh put me in alongside you know Liam Lawrence. Uh, Williamson, some absolute cracking players who actually went on, obviously, and uh, we, we got promoted with. So, uh, yeah, I've got a lot a lot, lot, to ask skip um, And then there's Richard. Um, he was uh, one of the older pros when I first came in, um, took me to one side when I was a kind of, yeah, 17-year-old, 18-year-old training with the first team, um, <laughs> gave me a bit of a, um, a, a bit of a, talking to, if you like. Um, and, and, and one of those old approaches that you looked up to and eventually became youth team manager, and then Skip's assistant. So um, yeah, two guys who I've got a lot of respect for, but also um, I owe a lot to. So really excited about tonight. Really excited to reflect a little bit more, to, to hear the insight from the management team in terms of, you know, some of the decision making, some of the, yeah, goings on behind the scene potentially. So, yeah, that's what we've got for tonight.
1: Absolutely. I must pre-warn pre- you that there might be one or two swear words in there, but I'm, I'm reassured really that for every swear word that we say, Andy White is putting a tenor in the swear jar. So, whatever, so whatever you do, guys, make sure you fucking laugh, alright? i <laughs> I'm already skipped. I've paid to get in here. I've paid for being I've paid for <laughs> so There you go. Uh, right then, guys, without further ado, let's welcome our guest tonight. The first is the assistant manager, the man who helped bring Andy through the U-Team and stepped up to be assistant manager alongside Stuart Watkins. His name is Neil Richardson and also the man who was the manager to lead the stakes to success 20 years ago, it's Stuart Watkins. Please give a huge (laughs)
3: round of applause
1: Gents, so good to see you. Thanks thank so much for joining us tonight. Skip I'll start straight with you. Obviously, we were together just a few weeks ago at Scunthorpe when you were on the side for co-commentary. What are you doing tomorrow? Because I think we need a little bit of luck. <laughs> I'll be Tony Wolverhampton tomorrow. Thanks <laughs> for the universe. So sorry, no can do. Oh dear. But <laughs> hopefully, you, you. your presence back at Wankhore tonight brings that little bit of luck. What's it like though to be back here um, after twenty years? I mean, you've been back fleetingly. Uh, since, but predominantly last sort of seven, eight years or say so, you've been in warmer climates, so to speak. What's it like to be back at uh, Montpelier Stadium, or as it was properly named, Field Mill? It feels very strange, you know.
4: Honestly, I mean, just driving into Mansfield, me and Richard, just an uh, hour in Il Rosso, Uh okay. Not the first time we've been in town. But, uh, <laughs> but it feels very strange and. Not in a nasty way, I still feel uncomfortable about being here, if you you know what I mean. Just be speaking with Andrew. And I think it's because it feels like unfinished business, the way that that we left. Um, You know, I said, people do say, oh, you leave a job or you leave a place. I was devastated to leave, but I genuinely was devastated when I left this place. It felt like that. The end of my world, uh, and I've only been back uh, two or three times since since I left in 20 years. Um, came back with Grimsby, uh, came back with Stockport the season, Stags got promoted, and I maybe watched one or two games as well, and, and that's about it. So feel strange, but as, as Andy said, fantastic memories. Uh, we've just been speaking about some uh, down in the middle of Naturally, you start giggling. Uh, magical years, as I say. That that day 20 years ago was magical, I'll never forget. And the evening, if you like, of that night, when I mean, we went into Mansfield, the players went into Mansfield as well, and I kind of just stood back a little bit, if you like, leaning up against the ball or the wall of a bar just walking around the town and to see the place buzzing it was literally buzzing that night that Saturday night uh,
1: and it's just it was a special feeling and it, it's still a very special memory. Absolutely but aren't we so glad to see him back here tonight <laughs> to there's the to the a to What's it like to see all the fans and get yourself back to the stadium here like Skip says, it sort
3: of brings those memories flooding back. I was just listening in there, and I actually got goosebumps on me. Yeah. Um, listening to the commentary, and everything like that. It, it's, it's been said before, and I'll say it again, it was an unbelievable time for this club. Um, from what A lot of people had done a lot of hard work before then. But I, mean, I, I was quite fortunate. I, I come into the... I, I, got, I came into assistant after, after the Leicester game. Um, and it, it, it was, for me, it was... I can't turn that job down. That job, that job is absolutely fantastic. Job because we knew we had good players, we knew we had a great chance, and it, it and the whole for the, for the rest of that season, it was absolutely unbelievable. The, the, the supporters were fantastic with us. Yeah, every, you can't please everybody, but we, I mean, not very often you get people standing in the sides of grounds at this place. You know, the other channels attacked it. He wanted people in. <laughs> but, there was absolutely thousands of people in this place, and it was it was absolutely fantastic
1: to see. Yeah, and of course, you know when Skip stepped up to assistant manager, you were youth team manager as well, so you'd have spent a lot of time with this man. Tell us a little bit more uh, about Andy, what he was like to, to manage then. Because Before you came, what he was saying that uh, every
3: now and again you'd have to pull him into line. To be fair, I can't take a lot of credit for Andy, I'm, I'm, but I'm going to I'm going to say a man who did, and, and unfortunately we've just lost him, Ivan Hod. Ivan Holland does so much for us. <laughs> we Myself to Stu, uh, were well, at his funeral last, last week, and it was an absolute privilege. Obviously, so sad the fact that Ivan's gone, but it was a privilege to, to say goodbye to him, uh, because his work, what he'd done for this football club, will never ever be, it'll never be underestimated by us two, but it'll never be known by anybody else.
1: Absolutely. Let's give that a huge round of applause. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> it's been a when you sort of took over, it was predominantly when we spoke to all the other guests, I'm sure Andy will agree, it, it's almost been like. It was the right time for you, because it was essentially your team, your youth team that you brought through. Before we talk about you as first team manager, let's talk a little bit about,
3: about you as youth team manager, the likes of the players that you brought through, So you had some really good times in those uh,
1: youth, youth management days, cup finals, cup semi-finals, that sort of thing, and all, all trained on their small stand-based Astro. Yeah, I mean, my first day
4: as youth coach was uh, Leonardo's. <laughs> Williamson's practice this first day as apprentices I, I got injured the season before playing um, I think first day of pre-season was the day after Beckham got sent off against Argentina in the World Cup and that was the day I had it confirmed <laughs> I, uh, that was the day I had it confirmed that I had to retire. Parkey, thank God, offered me the youth team job straight away so my first day was the first day of, of, of these lads, uh, and it, it, it became apparent that, that they, were, they were special, that they had talent, you know, raw talent. And uh, just talking about Ivan, uh, not long after I got the youth team job, I couldn't get my head around the inconsistency of the youngsters. And I think it might have been just before Andy, Andy uh, come in and uh, we were playing Lincoln on the top pitch and uh, it was the worst 45 minutes of football and I, and I was, I was losing it on the side of the pitch and I just kept tugging me and telling me to calm down. And literally straight, right on half time uh, we had a keeper called Kevin Todd, great lad, great lad. Anyway, unfortunately for Kev, he dropped one right on half-time. He literally dropped it into the back of the net, and the ref blew the whistle. So, maybe me, he just went storming up to the pitch, effing and blinding at Kev, pushed him. Uh, and Ivan's talking me, yeah, you can't do that, you can't do that. And then the, the lads were sitting around the centre circle at half-time, and I've got to give them a the team talk. Leah was sitting there and I went, are you gonna fucking tackle? <laughs> Lee Boy was sitting there and I went, are you gonna fucking tackle? And then I went round and I went, Ivan's bully made, you can't do that, you can't do that. You fought it now, you fought it now. Anyway, continue. set sent him out and play, and we drew the game one each, slightly better second half. And all second half, Ivan kept walking behind me going. You're for it now, you're getting in now. The parents, look, they're gathering, they're gathering in the corner. So anyway, the game finishes and he's, he's sniggering over behind me. <laughs> so I've got to walk. That way I can't not go past the parents and there's a group of them there and I'm thinking, oh, fucking hell, what have I done? What have I done? And I'm walking off and i will get closer and closer to the parents and they're gathering, they're gathering. And to be fair to all of them, came over and shook me out, and then I went, Skip, someone's needed to do that to them for fucking ages. <laughs> and, and that was, I think, the first piece of advice to me, or the first real one that I still tell young coaches now is the only consistent thing about young footballers will be their inconsistency. And to this day, it's, And that's how special it was. That's a special i award. was.
1: Absolutely, fantastic story. Andy, one thing we've spoke about on the podcast when we've been interviewing a few people is the fact that Skip and his youth team were a bit of trendsetters, weren't they, in terms of the way they played? Yeah, and I, I mean, you, you've joked about me, the turf and the sand-based turf,
2: but I'm not joking. That pitch out there responsible for a lot of development to be players and the actual intensity of how Skip wanted to play football because you come there on a Friday, bear in mind we play on a Saturday, and the, the, the tackles they're flying in, Ivan's been over those boards, board ball times in little. Billy did has been over balls a couple of times, in terms of, you know, just that intensity, because it's non-stop, you know, the hard surface means that you need to be on it, your first touch needs to be banged straight away. And and that's how it was, you know, you, you, you trained 100% and obviously you played the like, well, I think that transferred out to the pitch in terms of that high press. And I remember, as soon as Skip came in, it was, you know, centre forwards. As soon as you get that go, it comes from behind, you go, and everybody presses. And it was the high press, you know, uh, the Jurgen Klotz,
4: you know, Pep Guardiola, all into that high press, but... I it was years in the it, was, it was years It was here 20 years ago. <laughs> I've got to say, uh, just a bit after that, Scott, we, we saw Scotty Sellers. Yeah. And, and Scotty had played for Blackburn and Leeds, really good teams and a, a special, special Newcastle team under Keegan. And Scotty's first morning, he come off, off the Astro, and he come over to me and he went, I've never, ever trained by that. I've never, ever trained at that tempo at any of the clubs that I've been at before. And it, it was, if we could have played teams on that pitch, we'd, we'd have been in Europe, honestly, if it was the lads. The lads I just mastered the AstroTurf and and Andy's bang right, it played a major part in the development, but we had nowhere else to train, we we literally, you know, I used to spend the first half hour every morning trying to get somewhere to train, and all, all around here, no one would let us train at the facilities, and I'd say, look, I'll bring cash with you. I'll bring cash with me, I'll, I'll pay you up front. And, and nobody wanted to do business with us because of a certain ex chairman, of money. So, you know, indirectly, because of that, I think it, it, it played a major part in, in, in that promotion year eventually with the way that the lads have been brought.
1: I mean, God, help us if it was still here now. So imagine trying to sell Nigel Cough to train on that. That'd be quite a different story, absolutely. But, Richard, I'm going to come to, to you for a second. Obviously, we knew Skip's journey a little bit, like he's mentioned, so it was a, a player with us, then dropped into the, the, the U team through injury and things like that. Tell us a little bit about your story, because obviously you were sort of playing sort of late 90s with us
3: as well. Was it a similar transition for you? Yeah, well, it was very similar. Uh, I played in the 99-2000 season. Uh, I had a big injury near the end of that season, and it, uh, I knew I, I knew I was going to finish. Uh, but but um, Billy Dearden, who I will always be forever grateful to, said to me, look, there's a, there's a possible coaching role going on, because Dave Bentley was leaving me um, to, to go to Chesterfield. He said, he said, would you be interested? And I, I absolutely loved Billy and I thought he was absolutely fantastic. So I said, yeah, absolutely great. Loved it. Um, so I took, I took over as of excellence director. <coughs> Then Mark Kearney left fairly shortly after, so I was pushed. Stuart pushed up to assistant manager, and I was pushed up to youth team manager. And then Billy left in the in the December, so I was pushed up to assistant manager. When, when I followed him everywhere, i many how many jims So yeah, and, and it, it, was, it was quite a quick process, but it was it was something I couldn't I just couldn't turn it down because, because, as Andy mentioned before. The, it was just so enjoyable training, so enjoyable watching me, and, and we all knew how, how good these young lads could be.
1: Yeah, one thing that both Skip and Richo mentioned, and is uh, Billy Deirdre and in terms of his influence. Just tell me a little bit about his influence uh, on you as well, because it seems to, that, that tight-knit thing behind the scenes seems to be a long-running theme and, and why that side was so successful. Yeah, and I think it just came down to Billy Dearden as a person, as an individual,
2: just being caring, you know. He he actually cared about individuals. I think he had a really good knack, and I mean, Skip will tell you in terms of being a manager. You need to know how players tick. You need to know how to tune into every individual player in that changing room. Bear in mind there's 25 players, but you need to know exactly what makes that player tick. And Billy had a really unique um, trait in terms of knowing. And he knew from me, and skipped it to be fair, in terms of, right, and he's one of them. He's not going to react well to a rocket up his arse. He's probably just going to go in a corner and cry. You know, he needs that arm round, and he needs that love and attention. And then players like Liam, they need the rocket up the arse. So he just had a real individual trait to know what to get players out of. And, you know, just a nice bloke. I remember a few stories in terms of um, Skip Sessions when, when you were assistant manager, um, pre-season certainly, because obviously we know that Skip likes to, to run into his fitness, and um, he used to put the, the cones out to do a kind of big fitness run up at, um, at Sutton School, and uh, Skip put this massive track down with all the cones, and Billy was following around going, oh, no, I'm not going to fucking place. What they're running back for I'll just kicking him in. Here.
1: So yeah, it just it just a proper proper nice blow. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of your development skip, is from youth team coach to assistant manager and then on to management, how much does Billy's impact do you think really, you know, helped you to, to get you to where you got? Massively because
4: uh, I was fortunate and I, obviously I love taking the training, uh, but Billy's bad management. As, as Andy touched on, you know, he, he knew the traits of all the different players, and his man management—you couldn't help but, but, but learn, learn from him. And uh, he was a scruffy old bucket built on the training ground. Honestly, he used to wear some baggy tracky bottoms and socks—horrendous socks, odd socks—and he used to look a mess, didn't he? And, and the lads would like take the Mickey out of him a little. Bit. I tell you what, you come back and he'd seen everything that had gone on in training. Any little slip, any little bit of good play, if so-and-so wasn't quite at it or he trained well, Billy saw literally everything. So for me to learn off was, was fantastic. I love coaching, I felt I could coach, but learned so much about management and to be fair, Managing upwards as well, the way that Billy handled the chairman was really good. Uh, it, it took me longer to to master that managing upwards. I was a little bit too confrontational, maybe a little bit too fiery, and, and, and Billy picked his battles, and the ones that were really important, he won. He'd, he'd let the general win two or three of the minor ones that he weren't bothered about. So, uh,
1: terrific fella, and as I say for me, just the perfect fella to learn. Similar for you, Richo, as well, because you, you played under him a little bit, and you, you would have been in and around him on the back rim.
3: Similar for you? Yeah, Billy's man management was unbelievable. i, I got a great story um, from, about him. It was Whenever we played away, if it was, a, if it was like a, a long-distance trip, we stayed overnight, and this particular one was Plymouth, and I, I was one of them, and when whenever I stopped in a hotel room, I couldn't sleep. So, I, me being me, me, I thought, best way to sleep would be have, have a pint or, or something like that. So I thought, what I'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll go from downstairs in the lobby up to my up to my room and order off, the, off like a, few, a few pints of Guinness so, so I can sleep. So I did that, I thought I was being clever.
0: But next thing I know, knock
3: on the door, I thought, room service is here. Oh, the door, and Billy stood there, I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> He went, I'm having that one, you have that one, you better play well tomorrow at the World <laughs> <Duff."> <laughs> I, went, I, went, I thought I was getting fined. But that, that is the type, he, he, he knew everybody individually and he knew what
1: how to get everybody to tip. The, the guy was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And Andy, you know, that was how impacts impacts on your career. I did sort of skin as well. What's your memories from uh, that overarching season of, of sort of breaking through into that U-team and watching the likes of Liam, Dears, no, that youth team which you're all part of, break through into that first team and sort of Billy's impact on wanting to give them a chance? I think first and foremost, you know, I
2: was in school, I was doing my A-levels, I was loving playing for the youth team on a kind of Tuesday night and a Saturday and I was playing with absolutely no fear. I really was you know I remember a goal down here at Sunderland at Barnsley you know no fear at all and never even it was never on my radar to become professional footballer at that stage. I was playing for Mansfield youth team I was enjoying it I was enjoying playing with these players obviously the better players than I'm used to playing with but it just kind of escalated, really, um, and then obviously when I was playing for the youth team, I can remember um, one one Saturday morning I played for Stag's youth team in the morning at North County, and uh, I think I, I, was, I had the paper out at this time, so for me I was wanting to get away from the paper and earning twelve pound fifty a week, so. Skip this. Right, we'll get your thirty quid uh, expenses or whatever it was. So I was earning thirty quid expenses playing for Stags. So I did that. Went to went to play for Stags U team on a Saturday morning. I said, Skip, where, where's Minnie? It's Brown, Emily. It's thirty quid. I said, Right, cheers. Went down the road to Hoggle and played against Emily on an afternoon, pitching up for sixty quid. So. Already I've got hundred quid in my pocket, you know. From from a from a from a paper round to hundred quid. I'm like, right, this is all right And I think skip you must have seen it or Billy. You know, I said about every detail, I must have seen, that I'd scored for home in the afternoon. Monday morning I get some phone call saying, Andy, you know, well, what are you doing? I said, Well, you know, I just want to get out of this quid or quid, isn't it? Yeah, it's quid to quid. I just want to get out this of this rubber my paper around basically and earn a few more quid out again. Um, so he said, well, you know, this is serious now, Andy. You know, you could potentially become a professional footballer. So I said, right, I'll, I'll quit football and, and kind of concentrate on, on stacks. Um So it, it went from there. Then I trained with the, the, the first team for the summer. I mean, I was off a professional contract. And I know I've said that I never dreamt of being a professional con- footballer, but when Billy did and, and obviously Skip brought me to the office and said, look, there's a year's contract here. I was like, I remember the, the journey home with my dad. I'm like, I'm going to fulfil, you know, a boyhood dream me to become a professional footballer um, and to be part of, obviously, alongside players like Liam, Diz, Lee, Leroy, Jerv. We had a we had a fantastic team. It was an absolute pleasure to be around. And, and and I think when you play with good players, you you become a better player as well. It's easier, you know. So, so for me,
1: it was just, yeah, a dream come true. Let's touch on that team a little bit, Skip. Obviously, so many names in there. As you now reflect on the journeys that they've had, that must fill yeah. you with so much pride.
4: Yeah, yeah I, I still, I still. I mean, some of them obviously now stopped playing, but for years, you know, if I was there anywhere, and they, they come on tell me, I, I, I was like, that. Oh, people must have got sick of me. I was like, he's one of mine. He's <laughs> one of mine. Because of the pride. It was pride when you, when you saw lads that, that you'd work with. And, and, and don't get me wrong, first and foremost, the reason why Andy made it and Liam made it and Leroy and Diz was because of themselves. They made it because of themselves. Because they knuckled down and listened and, and did everything that was asked of them and put it. It was fantastic job satisfaction to see young lads, if you like, go on. I'll touch on Liam as a, as an example. Liam had a bit of a rough upbringing. I hope you don't mind me saying it. His, his mum and dad was divorced. He was kind of living with his mum and stepdad. They'd had a baby, and, and to a certain degree, Liam was Pushed aside a little bit, and he used to break my heart. Someone, he used to he used to come into the ground, and his his clothes were all creased up. And you looked at him, and he had no real guidance. And he used to go out with his mates on the night when he shouldn't have been out. Uh, his, his, his attitude to football was always fantastic. You, you literally had to push him out the door at the end of the day. He didn't want to go on, maybe because he wasn't. Wasn't, wasn't great at home, so when you see a lab like that who's had a bit of a rough time, to go on and, and, and see what Liam did, you know, and the likes of Sunderland and Portsmouth and then go and play in Greece and play for the Republic of Ireland, it's, it's fantastic, you know, and I only have occasional contact with Liam now, uh, I haven't seen him for many years but we have occasional messages and what have you, I know he's working at stone now, uh, so, to see that and, and, and to see these lads, if you like, go on and do what they did is fantastic. But I have to say, in, in many ways, I'm kind of just as proud of the lads that didn't make it at football but have gone on to be corny as it sounds, good human beings. I think, like Dean Mitchell, who's involved in semi pro football around here, Scott Murcott, Kevin Toye we spoke about, you know, I've seen them you know, on Facebook and everything, I've contact with them on Facebook, and to see them turn out as just good people who have been successful in their own careers gives me just as much pride as seeing uh,
1: the lads that actually went on to, them to make a living out of it. And of course, the big part of that promotion season 20 years ago was those young lads getting a, a run to the side. At what point did Billy have a conversation with you and say, are these ready well we had the conversation and i think there were some injuries at the time
4: as well and in the end we knew they had the ability we thought maybe it's it's, it's a little bit too early for them but literally everybody everyone that went in and and, it, and it's all it's it's kind of always a case of swim when you put a young lad in. but they all they all swam and they all did well, and you've got to give Billy larger credit because it's very easy for me to say, yeah, Billy, he's good enough, go and put him in. But he's on his watch. So to have the courage and the bravery to, to, to put that out to, you, um, he deserves deserve a massive credit. I'm going to
1: flash forward a little bit to around sort of January time. We have a fantastic FA Cup run. We've, yeah, we spoke on that on the episode, which we're not going to mention yet. Um, in the midweek we spoke quite a lot about that and things like that and we've also spoke about Billy's departure and how he told the players and things like that uh, as well but what point did he sort of pull you and have a conversation and, and sort of say I think I might be moving on what did you do so that season we, we'd had a
4: couple of really good results in the FA Cup I think we was Uddersfield, we beat four who we were top of the league of all I, I can't remember who else we played and we beat on the Friday, we'd been to Billy's Might Had a pub on the other side of Chesterfield, is it Len Badger? Yeah. So, to do something different, we went for a jog and a stretch the other side of uh, uh, Len Badger's pub and then we, we went back to the pub and the lads had, had a Coke and there was a bit of food laid out and chip putty and then they went out and played fantastically well in the 2FA Cup games. So, third round, we got Leicester away Chairman must have got his leg over that morning because he said he'd, he'd, he'd tackle the lads away after the Leicester game. So on the third, we went on the yeah, we went on the Thursday to that badger's pub for whatever reason, and uh, jogging the stretch back to the pub, food, drinks, and the lads started going one by one, and I went to go, I went to leave, and the chairman got hold of my arm. Paul, me, I, I don't know what I've done. And uh, that complaint and from the parents on the music, it went back to one, you And his, uh, his sidekick was there as well, if you remember Alan Meal, the, yeah. the yeah. Yeah. So um, the, the deadly duo were there, uh, there's me, and there's Bill. And, and Bill was yeah. acting very strange. I'm getting a bit, I don't quite know what's going on. And then Billy, mate, says he's good boys and leaves. Then I went to go again, and Chairman touched me, stays. Billy goes, and then it was the Chairman who said, Billy's going to not County, uh, he's leaving, he's gonna tell the lads straight after Saturday's going to Leicester, we want you to take the job. So, okay. a bit blown away by it all, but, if I'm being honest, I'm thinking, fuck it, yes. <laughs> uh, I'll, have, I'll have a bit of that. Uh, and then the, the chairman fires one at me, he goes, uh, what about Chris Waddle as your assistant? I was, pardon? <laughs> what about... Yeah, i getting some tissues. <laughs> what about Chris Waddle? And uh, I said, I don't know Chris Waddle. I said, I know, obviously I know who he is, but I don't you know Chris Waddle, I don't know. What he thinks on football, his philosophy, you know, does he see the game being played? And I do oh. Obviously, Chris Waddle was drinking partner of the chairman in uh, Chaps in Sheffield. Uh, so, to be fair, Alan Meal said, No, I, I said, Look, I, I want Richard, I'll have Richard. I know Richard, I trust Richard, I'll have Richard. And to be fair, Alan Meal said, If he wants Richard, he, he should. he should have Richard you know, have <laughs> so, so, uh, waited ages to say that, haven't you? You've waited ages. So, So, um, so then, I leave the pub and I drive back and, and Billy's in the office at the ground and I'm like, he fucking hell, Billy, what, why do not you tell me? You know, and he said, I, I didn't know how to tell you, Skip, kind of thing. So, uh, so that was it. We trained on Friday. Felt very funny, if you like. Went to Leicester. Decent performance. Got one there, uh, Got beat one nil. I think it was. Two one. Two one. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, to be fair, Billy told told the lads straight after, and there was a little bit of disbelief, wasn't there? I think he took literally everybody. Uh, by surprise, so but it was fantastic because we were going away on the Sunday. They, they hadn't announced, they hadn't announced that I was going to be manager. But I just thought, just take the lads away for a few days. Um, I said, do you want Richard to come? And I went, no. Uh, so R- Richard was left behind. <laughs> so Richard was left behind anyway because he had to tie up a few loose ends on the youth side. Uh, um, and Andy might tell you some stories about the, the Portugal trip. Um, but we came back on the Thursday, had to travel to Southend, do go Friday I don't even remember, 3 and lost my first game 1-0, but probably, if I've been honest, I still think that was the best that played as me as manager, even though we lost 1-0.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In, uh, you mentioned Portugal there, Andy. It, it's time. It's time to share some stories. But well, it's not too many I can tell tonight, to be honest. Just redact names. Redact names, it's fine. It'll stay between all of us in this room. we we'll make a solemn promise now to not let, let those stories be through the Nobody will get. Uh, I can you tell you a story. There we go. I to can tell a story. Who wants to hear a story from Portugal?
4: Yay! So I got to the hotel, and if I'm really. I, I didn't think. So, me and Baz would have a stroll down to the harbour, just me and Baz, and le- left the lads eating at the hotel. And me and Baz would go and have a meal at the harbour and, and uh, a drink. And then, uh, on about the second night, it, it, it got back to me from a player that the lads had found a lap dancing boy. <laughs> okay. So, me, me, me thought, well. If they're in the lap dancing bar, they're not around the town, and they're not getting in trouble, so at least we know where they are. So we I think not...
1: I'm now figuring out why Andy doesn't want to tell the story. <laughs> 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 well, you wouldn't be in lap dancing bar, Andy. Well, put it this way, I'm now married to my... <laughs> ...lap dancing.
4: ...finding <laughs> 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 the who I'm for a different time is now my wife. <laughs> So we we've, find, we've anyway, I pull, pull Bobby, uh, I think the next day I went, Bob, what are you doing? Where are you going? He said, Stu, Stu, or Skip, sorry, I went down on his Cafe there, come on. And uh, he went, yeah, he's got this dancing bar. I alright, okay. I'm, I said, Bobby, that's okay. alright, like, I'll, I'll let you. I'll, I'll allow it because you're not out and about, you're not getting into trouble, you're not getting arrested. Uh, I said, but whatever you do, don't let the chairman find out. And he stopped laughing. Well, what's up? Went, chairman's in there with us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I
1: still think Andy was in there. He went right around. I
0: still think he was in there. We were all it was it was one of them where I mean it, it wasn't it wasn't branded as a
2: training camp, wasn't skip or like at least that wasn't how it went down. I think we did one Chinese session on a tennis court. Yeah, if I thought we went there. And I remember it rather, because we were we were around the pool poor drinking pina coladas all day long, and then went into this karaoke bar and Pembel on karaoke is unbelievable. So in the karaoke bar, then we went on to the, the, the set club where um, yeah, there were a few girls in there, and I think I remember Danny Bacon running around going, Andy, Andy, she likes me. <laughs> Honestly, I thought, he was like, Andy, I'm in love. <laughs> she likes me. He says, Danny, they're all going to like you. They want you money. <laughs> So anyway, I was still the Peter artist, and I'm not joking, it must have been. I was rooming with Stuart Reddington. It, it was daylight when I got back anyway, about six o'clock in the morning. we were still training the next day. And I'm not the best when I'm sober, but when I'm drunk on the training field, it's not a pretty sight. I remember stumbling onto the training pitch, falling over water bottles. <laughs> On there, it was an absolute disgrace, the way I trained that week. in fact, I, I was, was thinking, you no, look good, I was actually thinking, and you looks good today.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so uh, the, I went to, went to drink the, the water and it just, it tasted like pina colada. The, the water, the water was, just tasted like pina colada, it was just like, yeah, it was uh,
1: an eventful trip. And obviously
2: we came back and uh,
1: the rest is history, if you like. OK, first time that I'm hearing those stories. First time as well for you, Richard. Were you thinking, I wish I was on the plane? I just wasn't invited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shocking, shocking, shocking. Uh, that's almost all we've got time for in this uh, first half. We'll have lots more to come with Skip, Richard uh, and Andy White, but it's time to reveal um, all about how we've got quite an unstacked story. Like I said earlier on, at the top of the show, this is just part of a series that we've got coming up on the Manchester Matters podcast, which is all about um, telling those stories from 20 years ago from the people at the heart of it all. Some of which are in the UK, dotted around the country. Others, not so much.
3: Good evening, everybody. Um,
1: I'm sorry I can't be with you at the moment. Um, you know, it would be be great to be with there and, and share some some wonderful memories. Um, certainly, some memories that I've had. Um, in my career um, it'd be great to, to catch up with Skip again um, you know it was a big part of, of why I stayed at the, the Stags at the time I did and um, so so pleased we were able to to get to get the promotion over the line so just want to wish everyone all the best hope everyone's safe and well and um, I wish you uh, all the very best Ladies and gentlemen Chris Greenacre yeah. so that now a very very shortly, indeed, we'll keep up to date on our social media. And that, obviously, we're going to take a quick fifteen-minute break. That Alan's going to be here doing biscuit bingo. Then we'll have these guys back out again. Ladies and gentlemen, for now, though, please give a huge round of applause to Andy White, Neil Richardson, and Stuart
0: Watkins. <laughs> Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's.